Free game. What's good, world? Welcome to another episode of the Free Game Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Don. This week, we're talking the healthcare industry with traveling nurse, Keisha Mabry. Let's go ahead and hop right into it. Keisha, can you give my listeners a quick intro into who you are and what you do? Yes. So um, I am a registered nurse. I work in the operating room. Um, And my title, basically, I'm a circulator, OR circulator, which means um, I run the surgery room. So um, you have um, team members at the field that are sterile. And I am one of the members that I'm not sterile, along with anesthesia. Um, so it, there, there's a bunch um, that goes into the surgery, um, but you do have people that are not actually at the field um, doing the surgery. So I, you know, I, I actually like run the room, I bring the patient in, I do the charting and things of that nature. Gotcha. That sounds kind of intense. Uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what made you want to get into that? So it's funny, I actually didn't know I wanted to get into that specific specialty. Um, At the time after graduation, you know, everyone always said, you know, oh, nursing, you know, is so, um, so many opportunities, they need nurses, they need nurses, but it was kind of like a catch 22, because nobody wanted to hire you know, inexperienced nurses or new graduate nurses. So um, at that point, I was kind of pretty much desperate. I was applying to any and every specialty that came uh, became available. And um, that one finally, you know, fit the match and, and they hired me. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. You kind of took what was out there um, for you. Um, and you said something kind of before you got to the end of that, you had said something about like going, uh, your undergrad and um, getting your nursing degree and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know personally that you went to an HBCU. Um, can you kind of touch on like the, cause I know there's kind of a, the way there used to be kind of the stereotype on HBCUs. And I think people are more, um, it's getting the exposure it deserves now. Can you kind of just briefly or however deep you want to go into it, just kind of give kind of an overall experience, um, an overview of what the, what the experience was compared to, maybe some of your friends that might have went to a, a traditional college and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, first I went to the Tennessee State University, the real TSU, not Texas Southern. Okay, that's TXSU. <laughs> um, but I, it's, it, it was definitely, uh, man, I mean, I just remember going down like freshman year. It was definitely an experience, um, definitely one I would not uh, trade. I would do it again. Um you learn a lot. Um, it, it's, it's, it can be a struggle, I guess, in the beginning and, and throughout the, your matriculation, but you learn so much, um, from those that look like you and it's the same, um, you know, I know there's this stigma that the curriculum may be better, so on and so forth that PWIs, but it is literally the same. We compete with these same PWIs and different competitions. Um, and not just sports or, you know, extracurricular things. I mean, the the academia is the same across the board. I mean, of course, you know, outside of schools like Harvard and Yale, of course, but like, um, I, I didn't really see a difference because I did attend, like, I, I know these were more so, um, you know, in high school, but I did take a couple of courses at like UNO, but it, it's really no different. Um, the only difference is, 
you know, who you're around. Um, you get to be around people that look like you, that think like you, and they're extremely, extremely intelligent. Um, it was, I mean, I would, I would totally do it again. I mean, the, the experience is unmatched. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, I know personally, I'll be thinking about that all the time. Like if I think of HBCUs was getting attention that they get now, I definitely would have thought about going to one personally. Um, and even knowing your experience from us kind of having a somewhat close relationship, um, you having a relationship with my wife, I kind of got exposed to, um, kind of the, um, things that you, that happen at the HBCU, like the homecoming, the traditions and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so that's definitely something I think is dope, um, and dope for our culture in general. Um, but yeah, pivoting back kind of to the nurse, um, the nurse career, um, when did you start like becoming the, when did you start in the traveling nurse industry? Like becoming a, cause was your first assignment as a travel traveling nurse or did you, were you at a, uh, a hospital? So I was at a hospital, but the biggest thing um, is that, you know, as a new grad nurse, you don't want to jump into travel nursing. So, um, you know, I know that nurses are in demand right now. Well, they've always been in demand, but especially um, post pandemic um, as well. But you definitely do not want to just jump into that um into that field of traveling without having some experience. So usually they would like for you to have at least one year of experience. Now, depending upon your specialty, I think two years honestly would be um, better, more ideal. I had two years of experience um, in Nashville before I left to go travel. Um, and that's just because you, the expectation is higher so when you travel, you know, you have your orientation, but instead of maybe three to six months of training, you have a week of training. You have to, you know what I mean? They want you to hit the ground running because they need help. So they don't have time and, and you don't have time either because most assignments, um, the, the standard amount of uh, time for an assignment is 13 weeks. Mm. So um, you might get your training in two to three days and then that's it. They throw you to the wolves. Wow, that's quick. Um, yeah. That's kind of sink or swim, it sounds like. It, right, right. So you have to have that background already, um, you know, and, and like I said, they do require, I think, one year. But I know for me, I did two years and I'm, I'm glad I did two years because even after two years, I was so nervous, even though I knew what I was doing. It just, you know, it's yeah. nerve wracking, that first assignment. Yeah, I'm sure. What's, uh, what's it look like, like when you get an assignment or... Like, what's it even look like? Is there a portal that you look for assignments in or how's that process work in general? So you basically, there's, I mean, there's a ton, there's like hundreds of um, travel nursing companies. So um, I'm sure like most people that are interested in travel nursing, they may have heard of like the more popular ones um, just through word of mouth or just, you know, researching, but you just basically find a company you can, um, go to their website, you can set up a profile and, you know, um, upload your resume, upload your skill set, and you'll have a recruiter calling you that same day, calling and texting, you know, that, that is the one downfall downside of travel nursing. You, once you kind of put your resume out there to one, it somehow they all get them and you get nonstop emails and phone calls about different assignments in your area or wherever you're interested in traveling to. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of good and bad, depending on like if you're desperate for work or if um, right. you kind of got is there like a, a region you can filter to when you're doing those things or is it just like a general pool? 
Um, so in the beginning, it's a general pool until a recruiter reaches out to you. So then they, they can take more information from you as to where you're interested in. Um, you don't really get to choose. I mean, I've never been able to choose like a specific hospital. I guess you could in a sense, but that's where it kind of gets a little bit more technical. Um, um, certain companies have different relationships and rapports with different hospitals. So not every company can get you into a certain hospital, but your best bet is, which which is what I did was, you know, finding an area or a city or state where you wanted to work in, and then they can find you assignments from there. Gotcha. That makes sense. And what's some of the things you kind of look for when you choose an assignment or you choosing to take a job? So, well, of course, with with anybody is interested in first is the money. Um, <laughs> so with travel nursing um, is different from hospital staff nursing because you get paid weekly. Um, and then you also so there's three different um, it's like a it's three different pay breakdowns. Um, so you one one side of it, you get um, you do get taxed. Then the other is the stipend that usually you get for housing and that is not taxed. And then you have a per diem rate that is like, you know, maybe food, gas, things of that nature. And that's also not taxed. Now, when you get paid weekly, it's all in one amount. So you don't see, it's not separated. Um, but when you look at your pay stub, it, it'll break it down for you like that. So for example, um, it'll sound crazy, but like it's better to um, have a lower rate um, so for example, I, I used to like to take assignments that were like 18 to $20 an hour because, um, that was the amount that got taxed, if that makes sense. Got you. I don't, I didn't want to take an assignment that was paying 50 to 60 an hour because then that's more that gets taxed. I'd rather have more on the housing side or the per diem side. Yeah. And that makes sense. It's like, if I can get the bigger amount coming untaxed, um, I definitely would do the same. Um, right. And I know you talked about housing. What's some of the resources that you use when finding houses, uh, well, places to stay in different markets? Um, so for me, um, you know, at the time when I was traveling, it was just me. And so it was easy for me to just pack up my apartment. I actually packed up my apartment and put sold some of my furniture and put the rest in storage. But I only took my essentials with me on the road that I could pack into my vehicle. And I tried to find um, furnished, already furnished places. So um, you can always look on Airbnb, which is, you know, a little pricey right now. But you can always look on Airbnb and you can, you know, tailor it to your needs. Of course, if you want the entire home to yourself, you can you know, um, filter it to that category, or you can, you know, choose to stay just in a private room of someone's home, which may be cheaper, um, more bang for your buck. And then you can also go on furnishedfinder.com. They have um, different properties that are available for you to rent. Um, and then they also have extended stay hotels that um, I know my company, and I'm sure other travel nursing companies, they um, provide you with some different discount codes where you can stay at these extended stay hotels. Um, I also actually found a lot of housing on Craigslist, which I know is very, very risky, but <laughs> I, 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 my luck has been really, really, really good. And I'm not one that's easily scammed. So right. um, definitely a lot of scams out there. I definitely came across them, but I, you know, never gave my information or um, 
secured, you know, anything with those scammers. But um, if you're, if you're going to go on Craigslist, definitely make sure that the person has a legit email and a, and a legit phone number. I was actually able to FaceTime um, both of the places I subleased um, with that owner. So I was able to see them. I was able to meet them and, you know, do a tour of the place beforehand. Of course, never pay any money without seeing and talking to someone in person. Um, or, you know, there was a scam saying that, you know, they'll send you the keys if you just send the money first. I'm like, no, but yeah. So those are a couple, those were three different places. And there's also different um, groups on Facebook that I'm in, different travel nursing groups and housing groups. Um, it's so much out there, especially on social media. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I would have never thought. Well, I guess there is a lot of a lot of different um ads and stuff like that on Craigslist with that type of um those type of stays. Because I know people like people as a property, somebody in um, real estate. I kind of you save money by posting on Craigslist, so it's definitely believable that you're able to Mm find -hmm. some good resources on there. Um, is there ever a situation where you might like? know another traveling nurse that got the similar assignment you guys connect and maybe stay in the same place or anything like that Yes. So that actually happened on my very first assignment, which was here in the um, DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And I was working in um, on the Virginia side. And I actually was looking for like a I was getting more into fitness and I was looking for a personal trainer. So I found someone who was doing personal training and come to find out she was a nurse and she was a travel nurse actually from Omaha, Nebraska. And it was so weird because I found I sub I was subleasing this apartment and it was actually a two bed, two bath apartment. So of course it's just me. And she was looking for somewhere closer because she was somewhere, you know, that was not close to her, her, her job. And we just, you know, linked up. It was It was very um, coincidental. Yeah. And that's clutch because, I mean, I both do the same thing. So you don't got to worry about um, rooming with somebody that kind of has different values or different a different lifestyle than you. Um, Right. so I'm sure that and this saves money, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was very, very clutch. Yeah. Is there anything um, that you kind of know now about the industry that you wish you would have knew before you got into um, the industry? Um, honestly, there's, it's so much, um, that you can, you know, learn from, um, I guess my biggest thing would probably be a lot of times, a lot of travel nurses like to put their address if they're not already living in a state that does not, uh, have state taxes, they like to, you know, it's, it's better for us, if that makes sense, you know? So when I was living in Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't have any state tax. So I use that address, but somehow I, you can also put a mailing, a different mailing address if you need to. So I had my home address in Omaha as a, as my mailing address, but that got somehow mixed up as my actual address. So, I, I mean, I was heavily, heavily taxed. I mean, that to me, <laughs> yeah and you get taxed that's the other thing you get taxed wherever you're working so if you uh are working in dc and then you go travel and do another assignment in california any every state that you work in you will be taxed Gotcha. so And that makes it sense. yeah it, it you know it's nice if you are living in a state like texas you know what i mean that Right. doesn't have any state taxes but you know if you could you know it you know maybe you can 
um, have a family member, you know, you can use their address, but make sure you have like a bill or something yeah. um, going to that address that's in your name. Um, that was really, you know, a shocker for me when tax season came around, but uh, <laughs> I was sure. like, okay, wow. all this, you know, all this. And you know what, I guess, you know, I guess it depends on your personality too, but I, I had a goal for travel nursing too. I wanted to pay down some of my debt, some of my student loans, my, my private student loans. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I was very, you know, rigid when it came to that, I was very focused and I did pay them off, but, you know, I guess when I think back on it, I'm glad that I did that, but I wish I would have had maybe just a little bit more fun. Like I did travel outside of travel nursing, like overseas, to different countries and things but I'm like mm, you know maybe I should have just gotten that Chanel bag like <laughs> you know you gotta have a little bit of fun you know what I mean like yeah and what's some of the um because I know you said you said that kind of the taxes and stuff you get hit depending on where you at is it more popular to, to take jobs in the states like Texas Florida um Tennessee and stuff like that because they don't have those state taxes so not really. Unfortunately, um, assignments in the South, the pay is just, and and it's just like that, even as a staff nurse, um, it, the pay is just not the greatest. I mean, you're going to get the most bang for your buck in, in, on the East Coast and, and in California, especially, you're always going to get high rates in California. There's always strikes going on in um, these union states. Um, but of course, you're going to pay um, a bunch up front in housing in mm. California. So my, that was my other thing too. I mean, I wanted to travel to places that I didn't think would be affordable for me to live, um, permanently like DC and California. And, um, but I think if I were to go back to travel nursing, I would go to places where I knew people, and where I could potentially stay with them. So like I have family, you know, in Texas and Atlanta, um, and I would try to do assignments there and maybe stay with those family members that had an extra room for me to stay. Um, and I could just pay them without having to pay a ridiculous amount in rent. Yeah. Kind of save that money and also help the family member at the same time. I'm sure. Exactly. Like exactly. That. Because that's the biggest thing too, when you're traveling and you might have this nice um, housing stipend, you know, of course you don't want to spend all of that. You know, um, the biggest thing, if you don't spend all of that housing stipend, you just bank the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of giving yourself a raise a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, what's your, I know you said the assignments are typically 13 weeks. Um, what's the typical schedule? Is it like the, the 12 on 12 off or what's the typical schedule of a travel nurse? So it just depends on the hospital's needs. Like I've been seeing a lot lately though, like especially during the pandemic and currently now, um, it, a lot of these hospitals, I mean, I guess, you know, we've always been in desperate need, but they, I've been seeing a lot of like 48 hour, 48, uh, hour work weeks. So you typically nurses work three twelves, which is only 36 hours, um, so sometimes a lot of these contracts want you to work four twelves, um, and I've even seen where you know they you know you can work five twelves. But of course, when you are working more than the thirty six, if you're working forty eight or sixty hours, um, the pay of course is um, much much more. But you know you're working pretty much every day. Um, the only thing that was different was when I did work in California. California has a lot of different um, labor laws, so 
anything over eight hours, they had to pay us overtime. Um, so they didn't like to give a lot of 12 hour shifts out. I did work like I did five eights. I worked Monday through Friday, which I hated because, you know, I'm a nurse. I don't work five days a week. (laughs) Um, So I didn't, I hated working those, you know, even though it was only eight hours versus 12. But so I did finally, I had to like beg and plead for them to at least give me, you know, to work 10 hour shifts. Those are available too. Um, so I, I did four 10 hour shifts a week. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, um, it's funny that you even say the the five days, eight hours. I, like I personally never heard um, of any nurse having to do that. So it's interesting, even knowing that the state laws kind of impact um, the industry like that, because yeah. outside looking in, you really don't think about stuff like that. Yeah. And I know it's just eight hours and I know it's, you know, that's typical, but you know, I'm like, we don't, you know, most yeah. of us are not used to that. And I, and it could be to my, my field. I know in the operating room, our hours can be anywhere from you know eight, eight hour shifts, 10 hour shifts or 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different when it comes to nursing on the floor, they may only have a 10, um, 12 hour schedule, 12 hour a day schedule. I'm not really sure. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Um, so kind of reversing back, if, it, if there's somebody that's out there that might be even 18-year-old Keisha um, that's looking to get into the industry, what would be the blueprint you would give them to get in, that, get in the industry? Um, so first, you know, obviously you have to, you know, go to school, take your prereqs, get through nursing school. Nursing school is a beast. It was not easy, but um, it definitely was worth it. Um, and you just have to keep that goal in mind. Um in the beginning, you know, I had no idea about travel nursing. I just knew that I wanted to be a nurse. And, you know, like before I didn't, I didn't know anything about being working in surgery. I wanted to, you know, be in labor and delivery or work with the babies. But, um, I actually found out about travel nursing through my first job. Um, all of the staff there was actually travel nurses. And so they were telling me, you know, they were just putting me up on game about, what, how travel nursing worked and the pay. And I just had no idea. Um, but yeah, just, just stick to the goal. Um, you'll get there. I mean, in two years sounds like a long time, but you definitely do not want to sell yourself short. Um, yeah. And that makes sense. Cause it's like, you gotta keep your, 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 um, your mind on the the ultimate prize. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, Can you kind of get some insight on nursing school and kind of what helped you get through where there have been, um a certain resource or a certain person or kind of just get some insight on that I know that was tough (laughs) it was so tough so I mean really I think what what the what was challenging for me was you know I I like school like growing up high school middle school all that I love school and learning just came easy to me and even getting to to college and taking the prereq courses, you know, your English and math and your regular courses and stuff, that was all fine. But it's some as soon as I got into nursing school, it, how I was previously studying and what I was previously doing was not working. So I had to change um, how I studied. Like I had to lean on study groups and study partners. Um, and even just how I studied. So for example, like in nursing school, you know, we may, you might have a test, your test is only 50 questions, but we went over 17 chapters. Like it was crazy, but you know, you just have to take away from each chapter. The biggest thing is with nursing, you have to look at that disease. Don't worry about the composition and the chemistry and all of that. You just need to know what it is 
you know, what the symptoms are, how to treat it, you know what I mean? What it is when you, when you see a patient, you know? And I was trying to read everything in every chapter and that's where I was failing. Yeah, actually kind of cramming all the information in. Exactly. You um, just kind of need to pick and, you know, I'm not saying like you obviously can't skim, but, you know, find the important things. And it, that was also the other struggle, you know, having to figure out what to to study and what, you know, you think might be on the test of only 50 questions out of like 20 chapters. Um and all of the questions were always multiple choice. I'm sure it's like this across many nursing schools. It's always multiple choice, but and all of the answers are correct, A, B, C, and D. But you have to choose which answer is the best answer. What's the first thing you do? So that was also, you know, very, very challenging. But, you know, you just get through, you, you study, um, um, study hard, find study groups. Um, I think it was a little bit harder for me personally because I went to school right out of high school versus there were a lot of people in my class that were older, like nursing was their second career. And I think, you know, they were always acing their tests, um, A's, A's, A's. And I'm like, I don't understand, but I think it's just because they had been out in the work world, regardless of not being in healthcare or in nursing, they just had that, you know, um, they had just been out in the world. Yeah. If that makes sense. So they knew how to decipher through those questions and answer those questions. So it was a struggle in the beginning, but found my study groups, found my study partners, and we just, you know, we struggled and made it through together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's good. You leaned on your resources. You leaned on the people that was going through the same thing that you was going through. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because um, a lot of people go through college, go through school, and they don't take advantage of those study groups or those peers that's doing the same profession right. that they're striving to get to um mm -hmm. so, so definitely salute to you for that um did you go to nursing school at the same school you went to uh for undergrad or did you go to a different school for nursing no no tsu tennessee um state had had a nursing program and the nursing program was actually really really good mm -hmm. um yeah so i just I, I completed all my my years at, at tsu oh that's perfect that's perfect Yes. What's it um what's it look like once you get out of nursing school? Is it like a practicum after or some type of internship or no, so um most nursing schools you'll have to take an exit exam, which is pretty much as hard as your so you do have to sit for a licensing exam um called the NCLEX, and that NCLEX is um very, very difficult. It's anywhere from seventy-five questions to two hundred questions. It's on a computer and um basically it, it kind of, um, you don't have a set number because it, it, it goes off of how you're answering your questions, if that makes sense. So if you're doing well, it may shut off sooner. So you may only get the minimum of 75 questions. You know, if you're maybe not answering the questions so well, you may get more, but it's just, it's so hard to tell. But um, yeah, you'll sit for an exit exam first, like out of nursing school um, in order to graduate. And then you have to sit for your national license licensure exam. Got you. That make a lot of sense. Um, and kind of reflecting back on your journey to where you are now, um, is there a piece of advice you can give someone that's maybe just starting off? Um, maybe they're getting that year under their belt that you uh, said that you have to get before you can become a traveling nurse. Um, is there a piece of advice you would give them? Um, yeah, I would also just make sure to, um, th luckily a lot of these states. So when you sit for your, um, when you sit for your license, your licensure exam, um, 
a lot of these states are now in a compact, they call it compact nursing license. So um, Tennessee was a part of that compact and where I am currently um, in Maryland and Virginia, they are a part of the compact as well. So when you sit for your license, um, you know, it's nice to already be a part of one of those compact states because then you can work in like 25 other states. But union states like California, um, Michigan, you know, Hawaii, states like that, you will have to go and get their license. Now, thankfully, you don't have to sit for another test. You just have to pay to um, to, to have that state license. Um, so I would just research because that can be definitely a hit um, to your pockets as well beforehand. Um, but you know, just research and see what state you're interested in and see if they're already a part of your compact license and then you don't have to apply. Um, and then if you do want to apply to states like California, apply early because they have so many applicants, they have so many job openings, um, strike contracts going on that it takes a while. So if your expectation is to go work in California and make all this money and do the strike contract, apply early because it took about four to six months for me to get that California state license. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now other states are a little bit quicker, just depends, but California just is usually so backed up. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's pretty much. And, gotcha. and that's actually why I ended up in DC first because I waited too late applying for California and I didn't want to wait for it. So I went and did an assignment here first and then went to California. Mm hmm. Gotcha. What's a typical wait time um, on like just a a regular non-California um, situation? Like so yeah. if you're just signing a contract like through your agency with your recruiter, it's quick. I mean, so, you know, if you don't want to apply and your your recruiter won't submit you for a job if you don't have all of your requirements anyway, but um, it's quick. So if you see an assignment or your recruiter brings an assignment to you that you're interested in and they submit you, you have a phone interview. That's the other thing. You don't really have like a formal sit down interview because you don't really have time to do that, especially going to another state. Um, the director will just call you. You'll do an, a phone interview of your skill set. And that's it. I mean, it's quick. They ask you what you're you know, looking for, your schedule, what their needs are. And you probably are starting that assignment within the next week or two. So it's a very, very fast process. So you have to be, you know, ready to just pack up and go. Yeah, that's clutch um, to know that you can get going that quick. Um, oh, yeah. Is there like a starter pack like that you need when you're going on these assignments, like certain um, utensils or equipment or something like that that you need for each assignment? Or are they provided once you get there? No, it's pretty much provided. The only thing that may not be provided may be scrubs. Um, but I know for my specific field, I know I've always had scrubs working in the OR, you kind of, they, they, they provide us with launder scrubs, um, through their launder facility, but some other specialties may require you to purchase your own scrubs. That's about it. I mean, you know, of course each nurse has their own, you know, whatever they need, pins and hats and shoes and things like that. But, um, no, everything is usually provided, um, yeah, as far as, as far as things like that, or if you need, you know, um, if you need your own, if you have to have a stethoscope or things like that, you know, you provide that yourself, but. All right, perfect. Well, we've reached um, the end of the podcast. Um, is there some free game you could leave my listeners with? It could be something um, industry related or it can be something on a personal level. Yeah, well, first I can give, um, I can give my recruiter 
who I work with, his information and the company he worked for. Um, he's amazing. His name is Joe Stillman. Um, he works with LRS Healthcare and they're actually based in Omaha, Nebraska. Didn't know that at first when I was working with him, I was actually referred to him through someone else. Um, but yes, his name is Joe Stillman and um, his phone number is 800 811 0064 extension 234. And you can also reach him at joe at lrshealthcare.com, J-O-E. That's clutch. That's a, that's, I don't think, I don't know if people are really going to realize that you basically just gave the game and you gave the plug. Uh, so yeah, I definitely. I, I loved him. He was, I mean, that's, you know, you just have to be careful. Some of these recruiters out here, they are not for you. They are trying to lowball you. He gave me the best rates. He gave me more money. I mean, anytime that, you know, there was a new, if I was extending the contract or a new contract out there, he always went, to, he advocated for me. Mm -hmm. um, so he always fought for higher rates for me. You know, a lot of these recruiters don't do that where, you know, they will lowball you. Um, to keep more money in their pockets. So gotcha. he, he always went to bat for me. And that's a gym. What's some of the, I guess, what's some of the tactics to to know ahead of time before, um, I know he's getting ready to wrap up, but that's some good information. Is there some tactics that you might use um, when dealing with the recruiter? Um, are you recommend somebody kind of just to, just to know when dealing with recruiters? Yeah. I mean, if you have someone that you can, you know, that you know, that's traveling and that can refer you to someone that they are, you know, that they trust, that's probably the best. But I guess to always keep your options open, you don't have to apply with just one agency. Um, LRS Healthcare is just one agency. You can apply to multiple different agencies and they may have the same assignment that you're interested in and they may offer a different rate. So always just keep your options open, apply to multiple, talk to multiple recruiters, and then just, you know, find that one, you know, you'll, you'll feel when he's, when he or she is the right person. Gotcha. That's a gem. Um, well now we're to the end. If there's somebody who wants to reach out to you, maybe somebody that's looking to get in the industry, um, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, they can email me. So, um, they can email me. My first name is K-E-I-S-H-A dot Mabry M-A-B is in Bravo R-Y one nine one three at Gmail. Free game. Thanks for tapping in to another episode Free of the Free Game Friday podcast. If you haven't already, please like this episode, subscribe to our podcast, Free and game. share it with a friend. Thanks, be blessed, catch y'all next Free week. Game. Free game. It's free game.